Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 17th December 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time, Pfizer buys into inflammation and immunology, buy specifics and CAR T's in the spotlight at ASH, Lily looks to volume-driven growth, and Novavax talks about diversity in clinical trials. Pfizer is buying Arena Pharmaceuticals in a $6.7 billion deal that will expand the company's inflammation and immunology pipeline with a new late-stage asset and which could foreshadow more M&A to come for the cash-rich Big Pharma. For Arena, the deal is the culmination of a five-year turnaround effort, rebuilding after the failed commercial efforts with the obesity drug Belvic. Jessica Mell writes that Pfizer and Arena announced the acquisition on 13th December, with Pfizer agreeing to pay $100 per share in cash for Arena, more than double Arena's closing price of $49.94 on 10th December. At the heart of the deal is Etrazimod, an oral selective sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor modulator that Pfizer believes could be best in class. Etrazimod is in development across a range of immuno-inflammatory conditions, including gastrointestinal and dermatological diseases, and it could be a relatively near-term commercial opportunity for Pfizer. It's currently in Phase 3 development for ulcerative colitis, Phase 2-3 in Crohn's disease, Phase 3 ready in atopic dermatitis, and in Phase 2 in eosinophilic esophagitis and alopecia areata. There is no silver bullet for these immunoinflammatory diseases, and there's always going to be a need for multiple options for patients seeking relief. Mike Gladstone, who's Pfizer's global president for I and I, said in a same-day call discussing the acquisition. That's why the strategy we're executing on here is to diversify the mechanisms in our portfolio, he added. Pfizer has been building a substantial pipeline in the therapeutic area, although it has focused heavily on JAK inhibitors. Several S1P modulators are already on the market, though mostly for multiple sclerosis. Bristol-Myers Squibbs, Zeposia was approved for relapsing multiple sclerosis and ulcerative colitis, while Johnson & Johnson's Ponvery and Novartis's Mazent and Gilenya are approved for MS. Pfizer believes Estrazimod is differentiated, however, partly because it has a low impact on heart rate and because of its specificity profile for key receptor subtypes, S1P1, S1P4 and S1P5, which Pfizer said is unique within the class. Bispecific antibodies that redirect T-cells to cancer cells expressing a targeted antigen are showing impressive responses in relapsed and refractory multiple myeloma. But to date, there has been little data to separate the winners from the losers. Updates at the American Society of Haematology, or ASH meeting, did little to move the needle in any one bispecific antibody's favour, but presentations during the meeting offered data and insights into how companies aim to stand out in this increasingly crowded field. Mandy Daxon writes that speed of clinical trial program execution will be an important factor, as well as safety, given the cytokine release syndrome and neurotoxicity often associated with T-cell engaging therapies. Safety also is important as companies determine whether they will be able to boost the efficacy of their bispecific candidates by combining the agents with standard of care and novel therapies. 
To that end, Johnson & Johnson's subsidiary, Janssen Pharmaceutical, presented updated monotherapy and initial combination therapy data at ASH for its two bispecific antibodies for multiple myeloma, talquetamab and teclistamab, which both target CD3 on T-cells, while talquetamab targets G-protein-coupled receptor family C-group 5 member D, and teclistamab targets B-cell maturation antigen. Many of the bispecifics in clinical trials for multiple myeloma target BCMA, a validated drug target with two US FDA-approved treatments, including GlaxoSmithKline's antibody drug conjugate Blenrep in 2020. Bristol-Myers-Squibb and 270Bio, the cancer-focused firm recently spun out of Bluebird Bio, won FDA approval for the first BCMA-targeting CAR-T therapy, Abecma, in March this year. BCMA targeting bispecific antibodies have not generated overall response rates and complete response rates quite as high as autologous CAR-T therapies, including Abecma and Janssen Legend Biotech's Siltacel. But bispecifics have shown almost no grade 3 or higher CRS or neurotoxicity in their clinical trials. Companies developing CAR-T therapies are coming up with mitigation strategies to reduce rates of severe CRS and neurotoxicity, however, including Janssen and Legend, according to updated Siltacel data presented at ASH. Mandy also writes that Phase 3 clinical trial results presented on 11th and 12th December at the ASH meeting for two CD19-targeting CAR-T therapies, BMS's Brianzi and Gilead Sciences subsidiary Kite Pharma's Yescata are being hailed as practice-changing for adults with large B-cell lymphoma who were refractory or relapsed within 12 months of first-line treatment. Each of the CAR-T products, both of which are approved after two or more prior lines of treatment, quadrupled event-free survival compared with the standard of care, salvage chemotherapy followed by high-dose chemotherapy, then autologous hematopoietic stem cell transplant, in patients with only one prior line of therapy. But KITE may have a commercial advantage since its data come from a larger and longer-term study and because Yaskata is already under review by the US FDA for second-line LBCL with a 1st April action date. BMS intends to discuss its Phase 3 transform data for Brianzi with regulators but does not comment on the timing of regulatory filings. The median follow-up for LBCL patients in Bristol's transform data presented at ASH is 6.2 months, while the Phase 3 Zuma 7 dataset for Yescata had a median follow-up of 24.9 months. Median event-free survival, the primary endpoint for both studies, was 8.3 months for Yescata-treated patients versus 2 months for those who received the standard of care, which was a 60% risk reduction. At two years, 40.5% of patients in the Yescata arm of Zuma 7 were alive without disease progression or the need for additional treatment, compared with 16.3% in the standard of care arm of that study. Kite's global head of clinical development, Frank Newman, called the results historic in an interview with Scrip. As previously reported, EFS in Transform was 10.1 months for Brianzi and 2.3 months for the standard of care a 65% reduction in risk. Eli Lilly is leaning into a volume-driven growth strategy as it looks to the future, and during a 2022 financial guidance and R&D overview call on 15th December, 
management laid out how it expects to produce top-tier financial results within the large pharma sector during the next decade, with nine new drugs launched since 2014 driving volume. We see a decade ahead that could be quite unique in our history, CEO David Ricks said, with amongst the best volume-driven revenue growth in our industry, driven by the newest medicines we make. Joseph Haas writes that the company hopes to incentivize some of that through lower pricing. Chief Financial Officer Anat Ashkenazi said the modelling for the years through 2029 is based on anticipation of mid-single-digit annual net price declines for its products in the US. We recognise that this view could change or be impacted by the outcome of the potential US drug pricing policy reform as part of the Infrastructure Reconciliation Bill, she added. But the firm has already factored a modest headwind from US pricing policy changes into its financial modelling. Ashkenazi said Lilly expects the drug pricing policy changes to gradually hold annual increases to approximately the rate of inflation. This would not be a substantial change from Lilly's historic pricing practices, she noted. If you've seen what we've done in recent years, we haven't taken a price increase on insulin since 2017, the CFO noted. On the rest of the portfolio, we tend to take lower single-digit price increases. The highest ones are Trulicity and Vizinio this past year, just above 5%. So at this point, we're well within the inflation rates. Lilly sees its near-term performance centred on nine drugs that it has launched in the past seven years, including diabetes drugs Trulicity and Jardiance and cancer product Cyramza in 2014. Label expansions should further support the recently launched products as they serve as catalysts for growth in 2022, Ashkenazi said. Finally, while drug makers are trying to improve the ethnic and racial mix of clinical trial populations, one of the biggest barriers is trust, especially among communities that continue to feel the legacy of mistreatment by the medical system. As Novavax worked to improve the diversity of the Phase 3 PREVENT-19 trial of its COVID-19 vaccine, NVX-COV-2373, focusing on trust was one of the ways it successfully bolstered enrolment by Native American participants. Alaric Diamond writes that the company enrolled more than 30,000 adults and adolescents into the PREVENT-19 study, which showed 90.4% overall efficacy and 100% efficacy at preventing moderate and severe disease, and will be the basis of the regulatory filing. The trial was run at 148 sites, most of them in the US, with a handful in Mexico, and of the participants, 7% came from Native American communities, with half of those enrolled at the US sites. By contrast, according to briefing documents from the US FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, the rates of Native American enrolment in trials for Pfizer-BioNTech's Comirnaty vaccine and Moderna's mRNA-1273 vaccine were 0.6% and 0.8% respectively. While Johnson & Johnson's trial for its vaccine included 8.3% enrolment among Native American and Alaska Native participants, Only 1% of those came from the US, although the study enrolled numerous participants in Latin American countries. The pandemic has forced many companies to rethink their approaches to diversity and inclusion in trials, especially for drugs and vaccines to address COVID-19 itself. Novavax Vice President and Global Medical Lead for Coronavirus Vaccine, Lisa Dunkel, 
told Scrip that the government had expressed an interest in Prevent 19 enrolling a diverse population when it funded the study. The company had also already specified diverse enrolment as a priority and started planning the trial amid the Black Lives Matter protests of summer 2020. And then we started choosing sites where the trial would be conducted and I became aware of sites that were focused on Native American reservations and I thought that that was an important thing to include, Dunkel said. It became apparent that people of colour and minorities were not really reflected in clinical trials that were typically being done by the industry, so that's been a focus of mine, she added. Having the right people in place can be crucial to improving diversity and inclusion in trials. However, building trust in minority communities can still be challenging, and Novavax was able to succeed by finding sites that had existing arrangements with healthcare providers. It's important for companies looking to improve the diversity of their trials to be able to adapt, she stressed. For example, Dunkel said that a significant amount of time went to negotiating with the tribe's ethics committees. That's all for this time, and indeed for this year, as this podcast will be taking a break for the next few weeks. Thanks to all the regular and new listeners throughout 2021, and best wishes for the holiday season. We look forward to connecting with you again in 2022, and in the meantime, take care, and bye for now.